The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody! Help! Not just anybody! Help! You know I need someone! Help! Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode number 289 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. Our topic today is spiritual support for recovery from addictions. Now, let's start with some reasons why support for recovery from addictions in children, teens, and adults is one of our society's most compelling challenges. First, 70% of addiction or mental health problems start during childhood or adolescence. Addiction problems in children, teens, and adults may be or may not be a product of mental illnesses, which can make decisions about care very difficult. Young people aged 15 to 24 are more likely than other age groups to experience mental health problems and addiction problems together or just addiction problems, which is that separation challenge once more. Addiction problems in children, teens and adults arise especially from the use or abuse of illegal substances, addictive pain relief medications, and of course alcohol. Addiction problems in children, teens, and adults create serious, serious challenges for family caregivers, especially parents and spouses and partners, for health systems, for justice and social systems, and for employers which is why our topic, spiritual support for recovery from addictions, is so important. To discuss it, our guests are Linda Bell and Ernest Matten. Now, Linda is the CEO of Bellwood Health Services, an addiction treatment center in Toronto, Canada. For 40 years, she's worked with addicted families, with corporations, with healthcare professionals, and with organizations, including the Canadian Department of National Defense, the United States Navy, and elders in the Eastern Arctic. She's the first Canadian to be appointed a fellow of the American College of Addiction Treatment Administrators. For 11 years, she was a board member of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, And she's a member of the Wisdom Keepers Circle, which is led by a shaman from West Greenland. And she's an honorary member of the Morningstar Healing Society in South Dakota. Now, Ernest, Ernest's other name is Little Brown Bear. He's a Métis helper and guide who blends mainstream information with Aboriginal teachings that are culturally sensitive and appropriate for individuals on their healing journeys. 
He's a member of the Canadian Addiction Counselors Certification Federation and the Ontario Association of Consultants, Counselors, Psychometrists and Psychotherapists, among others, and he is a certified Gladue writer. With his years of experience on and off reserve and with mainstream agencies, he, he focuses on bringing balance and inspiration to everyday life. He's a seminar speaker and a group facilitator on topics such as addictions, trauma, grief, loss, suicide, conflict resolution, medicine wheel, seven grandfather teachings, and anger release. So welcome to the show, Linda and Ernest. Delighted to be here, Gordon. Thank you, Gordon. Great. Starting with you, Linda, first, please. Please tell us about your work supporting recovery from addictions. Well, I, I have started working with my father, who was a physician who specialized in addiction medicine. And I, I didn't really think that I was going to work with him for my entire career, but it turned out that way. And one of the things that's been unique about the work that we've done in treatment is that we've always taken a holistic approach, looking at the physical, the psychological, the social, and the spiritual health of an individual. And when we look at the whole person in treatment of addiction, if we look at the basics of looking after your physical health and well-being with food, regular exercise, relaxation training, consistency in your daily routine, looking at what's happening with you inside, how you think mentally, working with honest principles, uh, rather than principles of manipulation and denial, which addicts have, and engaging in relationships and problem-solving some of the issues from relationships, as you start to balance the physical, the mental, and the social part of your life, instead of having it controlled by addiction, the all-powerful addiction, once you start getting balance, you're able to open up to the spiritual side of your life, that there is hope for something new and something different. And that's extremely important for somebody whose life has been t totally controlled by addiction. And important to realize that you need to nurture, nurture that spark of awakening in recovery. Right. Now, Ernest, over to you. Please tell us about your work supporting recovery from addictions. Ernest? Well, some of the work that, that I do, uh, most of the work I do now is around uh, First Nations, uh, Métis, and Inuit people. And a lot of our walk or our healing journeys, uh, we look around the medicine wheel um, and as a wholeness. And when one is out, the other three part are out as well. And part of that is identifying uh, trauma issues uh, from the past. And so some of those issues uh, from the past sometimes drive mental health and addictions, and then mental health and addictions drive each other. So it's finding a balance and working through that and identifying those issues. And one of the things that, um, that I've been teaching is um, pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. And part of the stuff that they're going to go through, Gordon, is going to be very painful. And whether or not they stay there with it now, the suffering could be optional for them now that they find a new life for themselves and working towards um, what we call minul bimazawin, which is uh, living the good life uh, once, uh, once they start on their, on their healing journeys and stuff. And incorporated with that is uh, some of the seven grandfather teachings that we use and some of our traditional medicines such as swage, uh, sage, sweetgrass, uh, cedar, uh, tobacco, and I myself also use lavender to help um, in supporting them during that journey. 
Right. Now, Linda, back to you. Please tell us about the role of spiritual support in your work, in your programs for recovery. Linda? When we're looking, I'm looking primarily with people who are involved with addiction to alcohol, sedative drugs, prescription drugs, street drugs. I also work with people with eating disorder as well as post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, one of the things that, uh, the first thing I think that happens when people come to our center in Toronto is that the milieu or the atmosphere of the center is one that we call a caring community, right from the, when you walk through the front door. And one of the things that happens when you come through the front door is not only are you welcomed, but there's an expectation in the way our staff work that people can and will get better. So it's very, we call it a caring community, it's very nurturing. And that's really important because addiction, when it takes hold in a person's life, it is really a very negative and destructive force. Many people come to us quite hopeless. Many of them have maybe struggled with suicide. Some of them know that if they can't get this alcohol or drug addiction under control, they're going to die. So it's very negative and destructive and very compelling. And so when they come through the treatment doors, we want them to know that they're no longer alone and that as we go through the teaching, the education, the counseling, the therapy, we're trying to teach them and show them that things can move from being negative and destructive to positive and creative and that there is hope for them, for a new life. And it takes work, as Ernest says. It's not an easy journey, but um, together, we can do it together and do right. it successfully together. Right. Now, Ernest, please tell us about the role of spiritual support in your work. Please. So part of the, um, part of the, uh, the work or the, um, uh, the helping that we do is, um, for instance, when somebody first comes into a group setting, um, it's not a group to us. It's um, you're coming into a, to a family. You're coming into a community, a very supportive uh, community. And um, we also have the room where we have the spiritual animals uh, that are on the wall to help on their, their healing journey. So part of the work around that is helping to identify um, what is going on with them, but also providing a safe and confidential place for them uh, for their healing journey. Um, let's face it, some of the stuff that's happened uh, through trauma um, people will use drugs and alcohol or food or, or gambling uh, to escape, um, to, uh, to hide the shame, to hide the guilt that they've been feeling and stuff. So part of our supportive role is to help them through that and to talk about those things um, that have kept them in their addictions um, and as they work through those things and also bringing in the family as well to help support them as they walk through their journey. Um, so... Part of that, uh, that journey will be um, working with the individuals, the couples, uh, the communities, and to develop respectful interactions and to take responsibility for their behaviors. Provide some techniques and tools and healthier strategies along the healing journey of their personal spiritual growth. Now, Ernest, just a quick follow-up with you. 
this involves the families as well as yep. the individuals who are coming to you for help. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. They're, they're a big part of, of the healing journey of the individuals because the families have also been harmed as well. And so it's helping the families and providing that support for them as the individual works through their healing journey. Also, the family members also work through their healing journey as well. Right. Now, can I ask um, just very quickly, Linda, the same question. To what extent do you involve families in the work that you were just talking about uh, under the heading of spiritual support? Do you involve the families? Yes, we certainly do. As a matter of fact, when I started working with my father in 1971, that's one of the things we started doing was working with a family program. And the reason, as Ernest said, that that's so important, families are affected. Also, often they feel that they're to blame. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe the children did something wrong. That's why mother has a problem. Or maybe the parents did something wrong. That's why the son has a problem. And so they take a lot of the burden onto themselves. And they'll start focusing more on the person who has the addiction problem, the gambling problem, the eating disorder problem, and less and less on their self. And uh, they'll try and fix things. They try and make it better. And then as they're trying to make it better, doesn't, in fact, work, and the problem continues, it's very discouraging for people. Sometimes they'll start plea bargaining with God or plea bargaining with the Creator. You know, if you just do this, I'll do this. And when that doesn't work, often you'll have a spiritual vacuum that will set in. So, again, the families come in really um, feeling often quite hopeless, feeling guilty. They haven't been able to fix it. And one of the things we want them to do is realize that they don't have to fix anything other than focusing on themselves and focusing on their own recovery, their own personal health, dealing with their own issues of feeling guilty about things, and starting to realize that they can take their hands off the person with the primary addiction, and together they can walk the road to recovery. But no one is responsible for anyone other than themselves. Right. Now, at this particular moment, we have to take the break. Um, so this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Linda Bell and Ernest Matten. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for the keywords World Talk Radio. Once you're a part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the World Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for World Talk Radio. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Linda Bell and Ernest Matten. Our topic is spiritual support for recovery from addictions. Now let's talk about, both of you, the, the, the challenges that delay or even prevent recovery from addictions. So first with you. Linda, please. In your work, what do you see as the greatest challenges that delay or even prevent recovery from addictions in children and adolescents? Linda? Well, I can't tell you a lot about children and adolescents because I don't work with children and adolescents. However, one of the things that I can, I certainly can tell you about is that the biggest challenge for anybody who's trying to recover is to learn to cope and deal with problems in a new way and to, to stay committed and connected with resources to help you stay focused on dealing with crises in a new way rather than going back to using alcohol and drugs. That's one problem. The other problem is, is that if you're, if you're using with your friends and you're trying to get clean and your friends are not, that's very difficult because you may have to then disengage yourself from your friends and meet new friends. And um, uh, that's where in many parts of the world where you can meet people through self-help groups, uh, through recovery groups, through different counselors who can connect you with people who are in recovery. And um, I think that we want things so quickly today. We want like the whiz-bang cure, and that's not the way it works with an addiction. You have to constantly be tuned in, just as you would with recovery from heart disease or cancer, that you need to stay focused on doing the right things in order to be successful in recovery, and that is working at your daily routine, which we can talk about later, 
and giving yourself the opportunity for the body and the brain to heal so that you can start to experience things in a new way. Right. Now, Ernest, it's the same question. In your work, what do you see as the greatest challenges that delay or even prevent recovery from addictions in children and adolescents? Ernest? Well, Gordon, let me answer it this way. Recognizing an addiction problem may be more challenging uh, than it seems. Um, Size of addictions can go undetected because symptoms either come on gradually or sometimes they're kept hidden. So when someone you love or someone they love dealing with such difficulties will need help and support for themselves in recognizing these behaviors and help in understanding that an addiction is not just an addiction. There are many underlying factors uh, that are driving those behaviors. And the fact that these individuals are often skilled at hiding their behaviors, even from the closest friends and family members. It's also important to consider um, the individual's mental emotional, physical, and spiritual health as well. Um, I have found that the um, trauma or unresolved issues or difficulties oftentimes is what drives addictions and mental health well-being or mental health issues. In turn, the addiction and mental health or the mental health feed off each other. And the other part of it is, too, is is where they live. Um, Some people that live on reserve don't have the resources Um, And sometimes off-reserve don't have the resources at all as well to uh, seek the support in identifying these things. So um, poverty uh, is also um, another one, Uh, sometimes when they isolate themselves as well. So some of the things that consider um, around that, and also the fact that sometimes um, the young people will experiment, and so it's just an experimental phase Uh, that a person is going through, or individuals' responses for challenging or stressful circumstances or situations for themselves. So to help the individuals recognize that there may be a problem is to pay attention to the individual's health, their behaviors, um, isolations, or any subtle changes in their behaviors. And that, this is not... This is just a very quick comment, and very often it's true, I think, isn't it, that it's the families that may be the first to become aware or start to question just what's going on. Now, Linda, question for you now. Talking about addictions in adults, in other words, it's the same question. What do you see as the greatest challenges that delay or prevent recovery from addictions? But this time it's focused on adults. Linda? I I guess one of the things that I can uh, talk to has to do with um, the specific centre, Bellwood, that I run in Toronto, because we have two sections to the facility. One is funded through the health care system, and the other is a self-pay or fee-for-service program. And what happens is that in the self-pay program, We put in all of the essential ingredients that we think is required for a good recovery, and that is the primary treatment, the family program, and the aftercare program, where people are involved and staying connected for a minimum of a year, and we would like it to be longer, but we do it for a minimum of a year, and people can sign up for two years or up to five years. In the the insurance-funded part of the program, it's the only part that's paid for is the initial part of the treatment program. 
they it is not covered the insurance does not cover for the individual's family to come in or for them to do aftercare. And so what happens is they'll come in and they'll spend about a month with us in treatment and then they will go home. And we'll try and set them up with some resources in their home community. But when they're given the choice of having to do the family and the aftercare, the one group is not given a choice. The other group is given a choice. And the difference in the outcome is about uh, 83% people who take the aftercare are going to do well. And significantly less people who do, who do not take the family program or the aftercare support program do not do as well. And they come back over and over again. So for me, one of the critical things is to understand that we're dealing with a chronic illness, a chronic health problem, like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, high blood pressure, and it requires ongoing attention and monitoring for a long time in order for a person to be successful and get well. Right. Now, Ernest, it's the same question for you about adults. That is to say, in your work, what do you see as the greatest challenges that delay or even prevent recovery from addictions? But this time it's adults. Ernest? So... Um, some of the challenges I find sometimes is helping um, an individual work through their own denial system or even denying that there's even a problem that, um, that exists or perhaps they are minimizing uh, that there is a problem or sometimes they may simply be overwhelmed with what's going on um, or maybe they've even grown up with it so it becomes almost part of their everyday life. So helping them through that um, or to navigate that for themselves the other, um, the other thing around that is the grief and loss um, of losing their best friend is working the challenges around that because drugs and alcohol has been part of their life for years and years and years and years. And so to all of a sudden leave or lose their best friend, there's a lot of grief and loss that happens through that. And part of, um, part of building and helping them through that challenges is also helping them to recognize that the need to build healthy relationships. Uh, the first is being with themselves, then with their family, then with their community, and then with their nation. And part of that is helping them through what we call the three C's. So communicating, uh, compromising uh, with, with another uh, person, and also having some compassion for themselves as well and working through those things. So those are some of the challenges that I see um, for adults around that. There's also the stigma of them um, being uh, going to a treatment center or, or going um, to seek help as well. Um, for women, it's been predominantly um, they haven't gone as much as the men would, but now that's changing uh, for the adult women. And Linda touched upon something that I think is uh, very important is... Um, all the treatment in the world is good, but you do need uh, the aftercare uh, component with it. Um, I've changed the name of aftercare to continuing care now, and one of the groups that I run in Toronto is called the Continuing Care Group uh, that helps people look at those challenges once a week um, on an ongoing basis. What you're both saying and stressing is that this 
is a long-term challenge. That is the challenge of dealing with an addiction in such a way that people recover from it. And you've both made that. You've both stressed the importance of that. And that's why the continuing care, the ongoing care, the well, some might call it the follow-up care, becomes more and more important. And if I can just make a point to Linda, that presumably is why it concerns you that the insurance system you were describing really doesn't support that kind of care. Now, just very quickly, and I know this is a political question, but have I summed up your attitude to the insurance um, type of support absolutely. accurately? It, it, it's, it's absolutely clear. And uh, your summary is, is excellent. Right. Now, Ernest, up to you. That is, what you're saying to, is, this is a very powerful thing you said, that giving up the thing that someone is addicted to is giving up their best friend. And they grieve. They go through a process. It's, it's more than withdrawal. I mean, that's a kind of technical word. But grieving means that it's very serious for them. This is very hard for them to to tolerate. Now, have I got that right from you, Ernest? Have I interpreted you correctly on that particular point? Absolutely, it is. It is very hard once they recognize that their best friend is not there anymore because their best friend never talked back to them. It was always there for them whenever they, they needed to have them there. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Now, what we're going to be talking about in the next segment, which we're going to, to go to shortly, um, is how spirituality and spirit, spiritual support um, helps deal with, helps confront, and helps overcome the kind of challenges you've both been talking about so very well. So let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Linda Bell and Ernest Mathen. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. Surprise you. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Linda Bell and Ernest Masson. Our topic is spiritual support for recovery from addictions. Now, let's talk about spirituality in helping overcome the challenges that delay or even prevent recovery from addictions. So starting with you, Linda, in the communities you work with, that is the adult communities, I think, how do you include spirituality into your programs? How do you actually do it, Linda? Well, spirituality is a component, as we said earlier, so that um, it's it's not spirituality on its own, and it's not you know if um, if you can become born again, you're you're going to be well. Uh, it has to do with um, your uh, lifestyle and how you how you live your life and how you feel about your life. And many of the things we've discussed so far about a sense of loss, a sense of remorse, a sense of guilt, those are all areas of emotions that affect our spirit. So if we can address those in treatment and help to teach people other coping mechanisms for dealing with stress or problems or crises in their life, then um, we start to give them new tools that will lead to hope. And I think that we do certainly talk about spirituality in our program and we practice different things that are spiritually based in the program so that people can start to make choices. So that just as an example, every morning we gather in a circle and we have a reflection for the day. And we might use some of the books that you can buy on, on different bookstores on a meditation for the day or reflection for the day. Sometimes you might even have a word for the day, patience, for example. You're going to practice patience that day. Um, Maybe you're going to practice observation that day. Whatever, you can select a variety of things, but it's just a way of starting each day with a focus instead of just stumbling into the day and letting things unfold the way uh, it would happen um, in an unplanned way. And then we put structure into their day. So they are not left... Uh, up to their own devices. There's structure and consistency. And when you start putting structure and consistency in the life of somebody whose life has been controlled by addiction and is very unstructured, then again what you're going to start to get is a sense of control because addiction is out of control. 
We use relaxation training. We do meditation. When we work with First Nations people, we we'll might be using some of the sacred medicines that Ernest talked about. Um, so there's a variety of ways of introducing people to the concept of spirituality, including 12-step groups, self-help groups, because they have a spiritual base to them as well. So right. it's not religious-based. It's spiritual-based. Gotcha. And the idea of starting to have a sense of control and purpose for your daily routine. Right. Good. Now, Ernest, again, it's the same question. In the communities that you work with most, how do you include spirituality? Ernest? Um, well, thanks, Gordon. Um, part of the uh, what we uh, do for the spirituality is we will um, start off each morning with a smudge, and then we will have an opening prayer. And then we'll have a sharing circle or, or a talking circle. And at that time, we will pass a feather around, and it's the eagle feather. And whoever has that feather will speak, and the others will listen into the group and provide that respect. Um, and part of the smudging ceremony is that we uh, use our sacred medicines, and that's very spiritual for us. When we use sage, it's used for the preparation for our ceremonies. There's a cleansing uh, to arrive out all of the negative energy from the room and those that gather in the room. Then we'll use sweet grass. And sweet grass is known as the hair of Mother Earth. It is used for calming to establish harmony and balance and in the room and those gathered in the room. Then we'll use our tobacco. And our tobacco is the way that we communicate. Communication is giving thanks. The first offering opens the door for communication, offering it to the elders or to the healers and to the medicine people to request help offering as gratitude to the spirits. Then we use our cedar, which is a purifying and restoration. Sometimes we'll have cedar baths, we'll have fastings or sweat lodges. And the eagle feather is always used to fan the smoke. Um, and part of that um, teaching that we do for spirituality is if you noticed, our heart is on the left. And it's on the left for a reason, because that's where the spirituality comes to the center of our core. And that's why our heart is often on the left side of it. And then some of the other teachings that we'll do around spirituality will be the seven grandfathers and what's been given to us by the seven grandfathers. Love, respect, courage, honesty, wisdom, humility, and truth. And so that's all part of the stuff that we incorporate, um, also inviting the spirits in to help us heal on our journeys. Right. Now... I want to ask you, and it's, again, it's the same basic question to both of you, but it's this. Linda first. Please highlight for us some of the successes that you attribute to your including spirituality in the ways you work. Linda? Um, some of the successes. Well, I think one of the, one of the successes we had that was probably the most uh, profound for us was because we looked at the whole person from the perspective of their physical, mental, and emotional, social, and spiritual well-being, we, uh, for uh, many years, were regarded by the Inuit and uh, First Nations communities in Canada as a uh, resource treatment center for their people because we took this approach to our, um, our healing program or our treatment program. And I think that is the biggest 
Testament, that the approach I think that we take, or even the approach that Ernest outlined, I firmly believe is something that is universal and that it touches all people and that um, people come to spirituality in many different ways other than sort of traditional churches. And that by incorporating it, when we saw that it resonated well with the Inuit and the First Nations, it just shows us how we have so much in common. There are more similarities than differences in all of our people and that we can learn from one another. And so we've been able to then incorporate when we had people from other uh, First Nations communities in Inuit with us some of their teachings into our program as well. And that's part of what spurred me on to um, studying with the shaman and, and some of the other teachers and elders that I've worked with. Right. Now, Ernest, it's exactly the same question. Tell us about some of the successes that you attribute to your including spirituality. Ernest? Well, some of the, the successes, um, I believe, um, Gordon, is the people that allow us or we're honored to walk on their journey beside them, not in front of them, not behind them, but we're allowed to walk in with them. And part of the, uh, the programming that, that we do um, is they, they complete a segment of the program and then a year later, they will graduate uh, while maintaining sobriety, while building those healthy relationships. Some of the individuals getting their, their children back with them, uh, reuniting with their families. In fact, I have two that are upcoming that um, have maintained for a year and will be graduating um, next week. And that's how I think we measure some of the, the successes, is they're able to go back to their communities they're building their relationships with their family members, um, with their communities, and with themselves again. And just, you know, part of it is seeing that spark in their eye again, and the heaviness has lifted um, on their heart, and they're able to walk lighter, and they're able to walk in that good way again uh, for themselves and walk in their spiritual uh, journey again. So... Not only have they overcome the loss of the, what was their best friend, namely the alcohol or whatever it was they were addicted to, but now you've restored them to their lives, to their normal lives, so that are accepted, they are accepted back into their communities, into their families, and into their normal lives. So well, in other I words... You've, you've restored them. Is that right? Well, actually, Gordon, it's not me that's restored them. I've simply provided them. I'm a conduit from the Creator. I've simply provided them with the tools. They've done the restoration. They've done the work. I won't do the work for them, but I've given them the tools so they could do the work to restore, to integrate back into their, their way of life again. So it's them that have done the work. Right. So you're the teacher. Is it right to say you're the teacher then? Yes. Right. Good. Now, Linda, back to you again. This same point that you, I'm going to use Ernest's expressions, you know, you're separating people from what was their best friend. And now you are aiming or aiming to get them to restore themselves to their prior lives. Does that summarize adequately what you're doing in your programs? 
would you like to develop it a bit further? Linda? Well, I think that uh, I think there's always ways to develop what you're doing and, and uh, do things further and more in depth. But in essence, one of the things you're trying to do with people who come to you and are seeking help and are in fairly desperate situations is you're trying to help them to tap into their inner resources to change because they have the potential to do it, as Ernest said. And um, to be part of that is really a privilege from the point of view of a caregiver or a teacher, um, to be able to help people to move them along to see their potential. And uh, um, I think... If, if there's more things to do uh, or more ways that we can demonstrate that this is possible, uh, whether it's through teachings or experiencing or um, sharing different teachings for people, like having Ernest come and do some of his work with our, with our team, I think would be wonderful because we all are striving to something and you know, it has to be a little bit more than just me. And when you're compelled with an addiction, it's just all about the addiction. But if you move forward in your life and you can touch another person's life by your example, uh, if you can help your children, if you can help your elders, you can help your community, what a gift it is. And it's not tangible, but it's part of what the spark of spirituality is all about. Right. Now, at that point, we're going to take the break again. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Linda Bell and Ernest Matten. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 
That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Linda Bell and Ernest Matten. Our topic is spiritual support for recovery from addictions. Now, let's talk about the things that you, that is both of you, would like to do to encourage wider inclusion of spirituality in the ways you mean it in programs intended to help recovery from addiction. So, Linda, first of all, what more would you like to do through Bellwood Health Services to encourage the inclusion of spirituality in more programs intended to help recovery from addictions? Linda? I think I think just even having the discussion with you today is an important first step. Because so so often we think that it's just a matter of uh, not drinking anymore, not doing the drugs anymore, not gambling anymore. And that is not what's going to help people to recover fully in the long run. Um, And you can't be focusing on the fear of consequences. You have to be able to help people to see that there is more to life and that there are other things they can do to deal with crises in their life. So I think talking about spirituality, because it has not been a subject that often we talk about. It often has been regulated to different structured churches, and uh, I think there's a lot we can learn from the First Nations, which has spirituality that is really connected to Mother Earth, and it's a way that many people who might have been actually abused through structured religion might be able to accept spirituality in a new way. So looking at options and talking about it, I think, is extremely important. Ernest, what more would you like to do as a MITI helper and guide to encourage inclusion of spirituality in more programs intended to help recovery? Ernest? Well, I think some of the things that we're doing now, we have uh, activities where we have beading. Uh, we have um, um, quilt making or star blankets, uh, dance or making of regalias or moccasins or, uh, or hand drumming where people can come together and actually start talking about um, what it means to them uh, to provide support, more support for them, maybe some outreach teams, um, provide support and let them know that um, they're on a healing journey and they're not alone and what they are going through is real. Because a lot of the issues that are going through, they are really real to some people. Help them to share openly and honestly about their feelings. I think, uh, as I said before, the pain is going to be inevitable. However, the, so- the, um, the suffering part of it is going to be optional for them. Um, and what they're going through can and will be quite painful at times. However, making healthy choices for themselves means that they no longer need to suffer. That they have the ability to reset themselves and others and make healthy choices for themselves. They no longer need to feel that they are being held hostage by the persons or the addictions anymore. The families and the communities have a strong voice. So invite leadership to get involved. Uh, have a talking circle to provide support. Encourage the use of the sacred medicines. Uh, attend a healing uh, lodge or a sweat lodge. Invite the elders and the medicine people to help. 
One of the most important things, I think, as well, is self-care is one of the most important things that a family can and a community can do to keep themselves well. Because if they're not well, they can't be well for anybody else. I find that this is sometimes that they struggle with all the time. Families and communities need to remember that they deserve to live their lives, not survive. Right. Now, I want to ask you both, again, it's the same question. I want to, you to tell us what your message messages are, each of you, about spirituality for families with family members who are seeking help in recovery from addictions. That is to say, the families and the individuals are, are seeking help. So what's your message, and I'm starting with you, Linda, um, about spirituality for such families? Linda. Um, one of the things that I think it would be important for families to remember um, harkens back to the comment we had earlier about the stigma, and that I think that people who are in recovery and families who have family members in recovery and are doing well need to stand tall and start to be vocal about the fact that this is probably the most serious unresolved health problem we have, certainly in North America. Certainly it's huge in Russia. I just heard a presentation on that on the radio yesterday. And that we don't talk about it. And one of the things we need to do is that there are hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people and families in recovery. And we need you to stand up and talk about it and show the example that recovery is is possible in a family member so that other families know that there is hope and there's someone to turn to and that we can influence the politics and the resources around treatment and recovery for people who are still struggling. Ernest, what's your message about spirituality for families with family members where the families and the family members are seeking help in recovery from addictions? What's your message, Ernest? Well, I think, I think some of it is, is, um, is having an open heart, having an open mind. Uh, accept all the help and support you can get and don't be afraid to ask uh, a problem is not a problem, but it's an opportunity to learn and to set healthy boundaries for yourself. Uh, there's one of the things that we were, uh, we were toying with about Grandfather Sky and Grandmother Moon to keep us safe. With the help of the Creator, we will bring all of our nations together to promote love, respect, courage, honesty, wisdom, humility, and truth. With an army of helpers, we will achieve these teachings through the gatherings and sharing knowledge and creating awareness of the issues of trauma, mental health, and addictions that wound not only our, our Aboriginal brothers and sisters, but others as well. And one of the philosophies that I've always lived by, Gordon, is simply this. People don't care how much you know, but they want to know how much you care. Yeah. Yeah. Very strong. Now, you've also, both of you, talked about discussions and particularly about discussions between, on the one hand, the non-Aboriginal communities and the Aboriginal communities because spirituality may be interpreted 
somewhat differently, but it's very clear from what you've both been saying that there are strong resemblances. So I'm going to ask you this question, both of you, just quickly, starting with Linda. What steps are you going to take uh, to bring the First Nations communities together with your communities, if I can put them that, put it that way, uh, to start sharing experiences, sharing knowledge and sharing understanding of spirituality. Linda, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, one of the things I'm going to do, as I said earlier, is I'm going to get Ernest to come down and meet with me. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing I'm going to do. Uh, the other thing is, is that I am working with some Native communities right now, um, and I firmly believe that there is the potential to set up a treatment network and a treatment continuum that has the Native people teaching in the white man's centers, if you want to call it that way, and the teachers and the doctors in the white man's center teaching in the Native communities, and that technology, just like the radio uh, program we're doing now, technology is going to open that pathway for us. Right. I'm only going to... I'm sorry to be rude. I'm going to stop you because we're running out of time. And I want Ernest to give his answer to this question. What are you going to do to get the communities talking with each other? Ernest? Well, one of the things that I've been doing is we've been having gatherings. And part of it is to the development of workshops that is culturally appropriate and culturally sensitive. And we need to do this by blending mainstream information with Aboriginal teachings to help in the process of reintegration of back into the family, the community, and the education system. And that's part of what we do uh, to help our brothers and sisters move forward. Right. Now, what I'm going to do is just finish off with a, a well-meaning challenge to you both, and that is I, th- I would like to do another episode with you both um, in a little while to hear how you are approaching this communication between, I'm going to call it the cultures, um, to share the commonality of the human beings who are looking for help when they've lost their best friend, the alcohol, and are now getting back into life. And the way in which spirituality provides them with the strength, they can draw on it and they can move forward. And there are things to be learned on both sides, if you can call them sides, or from both communities. So my challenge to you both is let us in a few months' time do another episode on this show with you both to talk about your progress. And I'm going to hold you to that particular challenge because I really do believe what, what you've been saying supports that very strongly. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this extraordinarily important episode for which I want to say thank you to Linda and Ernest for all that you've shared with us and your openness and that sense of what really matters and your point about the long, painful journey that isn't just a matter of giving up the drink, but is also a matter of restoring themselves to life. I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be First Nations Caring for Their Veterans of the War of 1812. So please join us. Same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. 
Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful.